0: What have you done? What have you done to yourself? The police cannot convict the man on what they have. They have nothing. You want me to betray myself to you? You couldn't betray yourself any further. I have admitted nothing. For there are only two types. Ordinary and extraordinary. One cannot be both. Welcome one and all to another edition of Nick's Nonfiction. I am your host, comic Nick Munez. Today, season three, for the first time we are breaking the cardinal law of the show, nonfiction, we are reading Fyodor Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. Call the police on me, we are going to be arguing for much worse things today. This is one of the best Russian author's classic St. Petersburg axe murder tale told through Rodin Romanovich Rezkolnikov. We're doing the accents today. A young man, indebted to the state, he was told his tuition was going to be paid for. A Bolshevik Bernie bro. Nowhere left to run, he commits a crime that winds up benefiting the entire community. The town pawnbroker, this wretched old woman, was holding everybody down, ripping them off for the price of silver whether rezkolnikov gets away with it depends on how well he can hide his guilt and fyodor dostoevsky having written brothers karamazov we did the underground man here on the channel he is a expert in criminology he has the hottest takes and i'm going to be arguing for his side today right here right now it's 2021 decriminalize heroin recreationalize murder I have a uh, criminal justice degree as well, some more validity as a host. I don't know why crime and punishment was not on our reading list. I had to read feminist critical race theory, but I didn't get to discover any Fyodor. I had to do it on my own time. We will have The Crocodile on the show soon. This is an absolute classic of his. We're going to fit it all into an hour or so for the big fans of his. I will do justice to all comrades today we're learning about everyone from Sonia to Razmunikin to Alonya Ivanova about the author Fyodor Dostoevsky we've done him once before so we'll breeze through he was alive from 1821 to 1881 60 years and he overlapped with Nietzsche a lot of similar ideas and the main character today Repeats his idea of the ubermensch. Can one man be a vigilante like Batman and be above the law? Fyodor was asking these questions alongside Friedrich, and he was, uh, who's a better Russian author, though? I said the best already within the first two minutes. You got Solzhenitsyn and Tolstoy, Karl Marx and your Communist Manifesto. Take your socialist crap, read it on the crapper. This. Dostoe, a crime and punishment can be read multiple times throughout the life. I am not going to read Brothers Karamazov yet because I'm a 24-year-old idiot. I don't have any life experience. So every time you reread these books, it resonates on another layer. I'm going to do justice to all of it today as much as you can. Fyodor, his dad was killed by a town serf. That's what made him so obsessed with all this crime and who should this serf have gotten away with it what was he even he had nothing to lose (laughs) he was the second of seven kids had to do something to stand out went to engineering school and then lived like a lot of his characters as you will see today became a political figure later in his life he employed all these lower authors under his name kind of like the Ralph Waldo Emerson and the Nathaniel Hawthorne gang, and they just started <laughs> slinging paperbacks, dime novels around the U.S. This was the Russian version, and he did some time in jail. I think it was four years, he said. They let him go to the army. They still had gulags. This was before the Bolshevik Revolution, before the real Soviet Union Crime and Punishment was written in 1866. This was when he got out of that crime stint, and he was on his Second Wife, similar themes. And there's six books in it today. Let's get into this bad boy. The first two books are going to be the longest. That's the first act of the play. It's a drama, death of a salesman level. Second act, development, and then the third, drama. Drop to your knees and scream at the sky. Book one. Why fight? Life is sad enough. Raskolnikov, he lives alone in his St. Petersburg apartment. It's on the river. Raskolnikov is a bit more of a recluse. He is a hypochondriac. He spends most of his time inside quarantining. He attended community college for a law degree. and Things have only gotten worse since he left. He has this scholarly attitude. He still has a book cracked on his nightstand every night. However, he feels skittish in his own home. Never comfortable. He always thinks his landlordy, landlordy, lordy lord, the landlady, she's going to bust down the fucking door and uh, hold him at, what did they have? An 18 Russia Kalishnikov point (laughs) and demand rent. You pay rent! Mid 1800s, there's crap running through the streets, no sewer system. Horses were dumping in the streets. Whereas Kalnikov cannot afford a horse, he's living in this border house type situation. He has his own room, you share in bathrooms. He has this good friend, Rezum Machin. They run around, they hang out in this daft living situation. On this particular night that we key into, the narrator takes us to Raskolnikov wandering the streets. He thinks that his landlord he's going to come demand rent this night. And everybody else in the building is freaking out. Nobody has money to afford. their generations behind on rent. Raskolnikov is taking a walk, and he wanders into a tavern. And so he's finding a seat. He sees this old man hunched over feet on the kickstands real settled up to the bar and he has a seat he's talking to this old guy he looks like he has yellow skin but the light in his eyes it's a madness bordering the line of intelligence and it's this type of wisdom you only get from nights in the pub this man's name is marmeladov the only thing Raskolnikov has to add to the conversation is Some poetry that he learned at school. He's like, here's some information about the studies they taught us. And Marmeladov is dropping old whiskey wisdom on him. He's going, poverty is not a vice. Drunkenness is not a virtue. vagary is a vice, though. Marmeladov told him, my wife got beaten to death by the city guards. And I've been a drunk ever since. I'll admit it, this is what pushed me over the edge. He said too sudden a change in society unnerves the masses like what's happening periodically in the apartments this is like laying grounds for the stasi years to come secret police they're gonna rifle through your crap big brother this guy admits that he drinks now to rid the despair having seen this take place over generations he has a niece now that isn't married off and he worries about her every single night And that girl might come into the plot later. He says a woman truly can't suffice for themselves in modern Russia. They make 150 rubles a day if they're educated. That equates to $15. You can't live off of that. We're complaining people in China make one Dara. China number one. The two, they drink the night away. They look at two women across the bar. They think, oh, look at us, a young man and an old man. We're going to get laid tonight. And the two women go upstairs to the inn together. And they're like, oh, that's great. Women don't even need men now. They could pull their 30 rules together now. (laughs) Uh, 1880s lesbian commentary from Fyodor Dostoevsky. He tells Raskolnikov, as a young man, you don't know how it feels when you have nowhere left to turn. is getting the shivers. He's like, there shouldn't be as many barriers between classes. I just learned a bunch from this old yellow guy. So Raskolnikov, he returns home to his tiny apartment. He's considering, well, what is one to do? How are you going to take care of a woman without any money? What am I going to do, pawn off all of my ancestor's belongings just to get by month to month in this tiny crappy apartment so the next morning he sleeps in he's feeling the depression Nastasia is his maid girl and even though he's poor underground man this was the same deal in these big boarding houses there's always a maid girl even though you're dirt poor you still get someone to clean up after you Nastasia is a bit of a love interest in the first act he might blow her off he might not she brings him some sausage soup, some borscht. Whereas Kalnikov gets to his concerns, he's like is the landlady coming and visiting my room when I'm not here and she's like no, you've always been a paranoid person, you're chilling. Whereas Kalnikov he receives a mail from Nastasia and it wounds up to be a letter from his mum. She's going, we spent 5000 of our 12000 rubles to pay for your books at university. And you dropped out. And the point is, Raskolnikov, he published this paper where he got paid. It went in the St. Petersburg Times, and it was about criminology and our modern interpretation of crime and punishment. And it'll come up later when he's being maybe interrogated for something. (laughs) This is a 200-year-old book. i got to spoil. And he dropped out because he got the credibility. It's like modern day. If you got published by the New York Times... No one's going to care that you graduated from UT, my D, wherever the place is. There are bigger accomplishments than a degree. Raskolnikov tried to ride the wave, but he's kind of just meandering rather than parlaying it into something serious. And his mom is just sending him guilt through all of these letters. She's going, "Um, your sister, she's getting tossed around out here in the countryside. What do you think's going to happen to her if you can't supply for the family? She's emphasizing in this letter. At your age, a woman, she doesn't look for a fine man anymore. She's looking for a provider. She ends the letter saying mothers and sons, they get along less when they have their own families. And she just wishes they were closer now because eventually he won't be there. He'll have a little girlfriend to pay attention to. And the mom, their dad of the family, he left and then died. He's a deadbeat. It's Rakolnikov, Dunya, and the mom. And that's his current home situation. Doesn't add to his predisposition for paranoia. She left 30 rubles in the note. Raskolnikov, he's feeling drunk from this letter. Hasn't heard from his mom in a couple months. So he takes a long walk and runs into Mr. Lusin. L-U-H-Z-I-N. Lusin. He is the foreseeable suitor for Dunya, his sister. This guy is about to take her hand in marriage. And Lucin is always seen prancing around town with hookers. And he's going, Raskolnikov, you are smartest mind. I have read your law degree. It was beautiful paper. I think you are <laughs> radicalized. However, you would make fine businessmen. At Lucin, he emphasized in this conversation There is nothing worse than a man with nowhere left to turn. This is why I'm taking your sister's hand in marriage. I've had my fun. Similar theme from Marmeladov at the bar. What is these old guys with nothing left to do is the saddest thing. Even me. I go to some dives out in the mountains of Colorado and there's these old guys like, what it would be to be young and nowhere, no home to go to. (laughs) You want to be a feral animal? Is this really the golden times, Fyodor saying Rezkolnikov is getting the speech again. He said, Luzin told him, you have fun with your drunk young college girls. He's going 2 a.m. I wake up to the German police knocking on my door. They're just painting a sad story here. The point of this scene was to solidify that Luzin is going to come over for dinner when there is uh, the mother and sister are in town. Same night, Raskolnikov is walking through the streets of St. Petersburg, and there's this drunk girl. It's around 2 a.m. now, and she's stumbling around, and he sees some creeps in an alleyway. It looks like they're going to take her into the alleyway if he doesn't step in. And so he walks her into a more well-lit part of the town. The cops come up to Raskolnikov and this drunk girl that he's propping up. And they're like, you're about to take this girl around back into an alley. And he's like, no, I just saved her. And they don't believe him, but then the girl is like, it's true. It's true. Is throws up on herself Raskolnikov sits her on a bench and they start talking this girl's name is Sonia she is related to somebody Raskolnikov met Raskolnikov is smitten upon her sight he knows this girl is the one for him she has seen everything that he knows the taxi driver grime on the streets this girl has taken the law into her own hands you're not allowed to hook it's the oldest profession in humanity, but it's against the law. You know, your kid could be starving at home, but by God, if you give someone a hand job, you belong behind bars. Victimless crimes. Raskolnikov knows now. He's like, I need to find this hooker again, and I'm going to take her out. He's not trying to bed her. He would take her to an inn if he needed a quick lay. He wants to court her, so Raskolnikov goes to the town broker, and he brings one of his father's old plaques to Anya Ivanova. This is the name of the old lady who runs the pawn shop, and she winds up being the godmother of Sonia and, like, the stepbrother of (laughs) Marmelanodov. It's a triangle. Everybody knows each other. And so Alonya rips off Raskolnikov here. She lowballs him for his father's plaque, one of his few remaining memories of the guy. And the thing here, it's like a Curb Your Enthusiasm plot where every little thing comes back to bite the person in the ass where they treat someone bad. So Alonya, if she only gave Raskolnikov a fair price, it would have gotten her stepdaughter off the streets he would have been able to take her on a date have her meet dunya and the mom later but of course she lowballs him she winds up to go and sleep with Lusin <laughs> Sonia and Lusin are now sleeping together alonya she sends verskolikov out into the streets and he's walking around with anger he's just like bumping into people on the streets underground man did this he would pick out cops and shoulder check them In the public square to feel some power. And Raskolnikov. He's angry. He's like I just want to take this girl out. My loans were supposed to be forgiven. And now I have nothing. I will have nothing until I'm an old yellow man. Like Marmeladov. And so Raskolnikov. He goes back to his apartment. And he grabs his fire axe. Off of the wall. He puts on his trench coat. His long coat. (laughs) And he fashions the axe. Down one of his pants legs. And he starts walking with a gimp leg because he's got an axe down his pants and he's going slowly to Alonya's house to avenge himself. He knows how many people are in debt to this woman. She does rackets for the mafia. She'll break your knees. He gets to her house and Alonya, she lets him in. She goes, this is after hours, but I, I know I can cheat you, Raskolnikov. You are ambitious young men. Come in, motivated but dumb. Come in, Raskolnikov. This bitch, she's cheated more men than Cardi B. She turns around to go look at, get her microscope piece to look at Raskolnikov's silver cigar case. Raskolnikov, he unsheaths the axe, holds it above his head, bonk, brings it down on her blood spurts. Dostoevsky gave her last words. He goes, you shouldn't have hid the axe. Alonya only offered him 200 rubles for this cigarette case that should have been worth thousands of dollars. Raskolnikov, he didn't even take any jewelry. He's so, like, distraught by what just happened. He had to hit her twice over the head. There's blood starting to pool on the ground. He starts to hear someone walk in. They're going, Alonya! Alonya! And he hides in the shadows behind one of the armoires, and he's realizing, did I just... The door has been open this entire time. He's been on such high adrenaline; he doesn't remember how this murder has even gone down. Even though he was planning it when he went home after he got cheated, and so this other lady, Lizaveta, is the sister of the now dead lady, the pawnbroker. So Raskolnikov he comes out of the shadows with the axe. It's um, the shining. Here is Raskolnikov. He hits her in the head. Slack. she falls down on the ground that is now a double murder raskolnikov is sweating immediately he goes and slams the door shut he's cleaning the axe trying to dab blood out of the wooden shaft of the tool and then someone starts banging on the door luckily he locked it from the inside via a chain lock but it was two cops that were coming to do mafia business with Alonya. And they're going, we know the door is locked from the inside. We should bust in there right now. Rakolnikov is trying to stop the blood from going out from under the door. They don't catch him. He winds up running downstairs. He gets away out of there with the axe, the murder tool. He's paranoid on the way home. Everybody giggling he thinks is laughing at him. The guilt will build. Rakolnikov makes it home safe for now. Nobody's caught him. He doesn't get any sleep. Can you imagine trying to go home and fall asleep after committing double homicide? He wouldn't sleep for weeks. It's going to snowball to much worse. This will take us to book two. The Guilty Vigilante. Rezkolnikov, he wakes up periodically throughout the night. It's 2 a.m. He's shaking. Leaves his door unlocked. Gets another five minutes of sleep wakes up and the door is open so he's going am i sleepwalking what is happening the sun starts to rise he realized he never changed his clothes he's sitting in a little pool of congealed blood famously he like cuts all of the clothes that he wore from the night prior into shreds and burns them in his sink being a total schizo the entire morning until Nastasia. Comes to save the day mid afternoon. She's banging on his door. You've been a bum the whole day, Raskolnikov. What is up? The cops were coming around asking about old lady Alonia this morning, and he finally lets her in. She makes him laugh. He's feeling better from the interaction. Raskolnikov is laughing because his socks are pooled with blood inside of his shoes, and he's having a dark turn already within himself. He only likes edgy humor now he's laughing about murder blood inside of his shoes and nobody else can tell like he has a dirty little secret nastasya saying you got to go down to the police station it sounded like something serious was happening i was calling the coffee he has to gather himself he's sweaty the clammiest guy in st petersburg <laughs> he goes down to the police office and he's trying to act as normal as possible be like i'm just checking up on my loans he can't keep it together though what this man has seen within the past 12 hours is going to haunt his nightmares for his entire life and so he's starting to panic he's like sir can you please put out your cigar it's super fumed in this room i cannot breathe and he's sitting there for three hours eventually he just barges the window and is like i need to check on my loans And the guy is like, your landlady is coming after you. This bitch is about to take you to court. Looks like you got a little law degree there. Maybe you could take her. The entire time, Raskolnikov is like, I don't deserve the guillotine. I did nothing crazy last night. And they're like, what are you talking about? Just pay your loans. And the colonel, of course, was standing behind him the whole time. And he's going, you know, Mr. Rodin Romanovich, it seems your name was on the list of Over 500 suspects for Alanya's murder. And he's like, so I'm I'm a suspect? And he's like, that's something only a suspect would say, Mr. Raskolnikov. There's over 500 names. These are just all the people that she knew, so they were going to stop by his building that morning. Nobody really has any evidence, nothing. Nobody's coming after Raskolnikov, but he is very guilty, unable to hide it. He goes home, he hides all the goods, so he did take a couple things from Alanya's place. And then he goes across to a park across the public square, buries all of his clothes that remain, the axe. And he said that he was giggling when he went back. He's like, nobody knows where the murder tool is. He's going mad from the inside out. He notices that he's angrier than usual in the preceding weeks. Everybody's just walking by him, and he's like, Why haven't the police caught me yet? I just did a disgusting thing, and I'll probably get away with it. And he's thinking, Maybe a bunch of other people have these stories, these dark secrets, or maybe they're so innocent to not believe that evil exists. And he's going, But wait, it's not evil. I'm the ubermensch. I could do whatever I want, I could hit people with axes and not feel any guilt. Raskolnikov doesn't know what to do. He goes over to Razumikin's house, his buddy inside of the tenement, his closest friend. He's still all sweaty and unsettled. Razumikin is offering him a place to say, saying, let me take care of you. It looks like you have typhus. And this becomes Raskolnikov's excuse. He starts telling everybody he's got the typhus. Razumakin was like I'm going to have my cousin come through he's a psychologist and he'll have a take a look at you diagnose you later in the week preceding week his health gets worse he's starting to hallucinate declining he's dreaming of people breaking into his apartment he's again again when he's not just being paranoid justifying the murder saying this was rational this benefited everybody this wasn't a sin this was for the greater good Nastasia she invited a mentalist of her own to come through and look at Rizkolnikov. This guy was Dr. Razumasin, not a relevant name, Dr. Oz. He was going, you got to drink some tea, man. You're you're going to feel better with time. Sweat it out. Drink beer and beets will help. Most Russian diagnosis ever. Drink it off, buddy. Rizkolnikov he's offering money to the doctor. And the doctor winds up leaving money with him. What a healthcare system, even in the worst. (laughs) They set up a nice breakfast for um, Razumikhin and his doctor now to come over. And this guy doubles as the colonel. And this is like you're watching it as a play. Only the narrator lets the audience know. Whereas doesn't know that he's incriminating himself while talking to this guy. They will have many more run-ins. We'll call him the colonel. At this first meeting in his apartment, Raskolnikov is just in a fever sweat. He's saying crazy things like, the blood, the blood. And the other people are just having tea in his room like, what is this guy murmuring about? Is that what happens when you get typhus? But this colonel from the police station, he's like, I've seen people that murdered before. And this is lining up quite nicely. And he sees on Raskolnikov's table his legal title named recreationalized murder and he's like okay this is starting to add up you are my suspect number one doesn't tell Raskolnikov leaves the meeting Nastasia leaves Razumikin is like you know that's my buddy from the police station and it clicks for Raskolnikov he's like why would you have ever done this are you working for the police you are secret police and he's like no man I bought him over because this guy takes bribes so if you ever do anything bad then or if you're sick from a street job, you boosted a car and you're feeling a little paranoid, this guy could get you off. And he's like, oh shit, you're looking out for me. versus Kolnikov's paranoia doubling down. If you're going to be a vigilante like Batman, you have to be guilt-free. If you're taking crime into your own hands, you've seen Cape Fear. It's been adapted a few times. I watched the Robert De Niro one. They have that tattoo on the criminal's back. It's a cross. And on one side it says truth, and it's the Bible, like a scale of justice. And on the other side it says justice, and it's the dagger. If you're going to defend your family from the rapist, you can't rely on the police. you got to take the law into your own hands. It's the argument he's building throughout this. We'll skip ahead a little bit. Raskolnikov is having his late-night wanderings through the streets, and he often runs into police officers, Zosimov, is the, one of the colonel's right hand men and he's starting to get a little bit cocky rest calling the cops. He's like they still haven't caught me. I was acting like a little pussy when I went into the police station and I didn't just put that officer's cigar out. You're smoking in a public place, sir. He starts making jokes to these cops at the cafe. You guys make any headway on that old lady's murder? I heard it was the bloodiest in town. You're still not what are you doing pigs out here? I didn't order a pork chop. Word is getting back, Zosimov is starting to realize what a potential suspect Raskolnikov is. Razumikin and Raskolnikov, they did their own little side quest here. They met up with Lucin to collect some sort of an inheritance from him. And it comes out that Lucin has been paying for his mom and his apartment, which they blow up over. He insults Lucin. He's like, you think you're such a big fish here in St. Petersburg? You're such an industrialist? Well, you wouldn't even tread water if you went down to Moscow. Insults him. That's the biggest insult you could do to a guy like that. His money is the only thing that matters. And Lucin writes off Rezkolnikov here, but he doesn't write off the family. He's like, I'm going to take your family from you, Rezkolnikov. You are nothing. You aren't even a good businessman. I didn't like your article that much. (laughs) Dunya is mine. They leave the place. Razumakin, Raskolnikov building that buddy cop friendship throughout. This has a romantic comedy, a drama, a buddy cop. These Fyodor books have every movie in one. So on their way home, Raskolnikov, he takes a detour, goes to deal with his inner problems, and he sees a crowd forming in the street. The cops are telling everybody to back up, but where's Kolnikov. He's peering through everybody's shoulders. He sees that the guy on the ground, everybody crowded around, is Marmeladov. And so the cops tell him this man was hit by a horse. He's saying that he's 30 yards away from his home, but he's about to die. We're just going to take him to the morgue. They don't even take him to the hospital. They were saying there's no way this peasant can afford an ambulance. Or some horse to take him. You have to pay for a horse. Maybe they didn't have good health care there. Raskolnikov buys off the cops. And he's like, go ignore this. I know Marmeladov. I'm going to take him up to his apartment. And so he goes up there. And there's like six of the family. They're having a dinner. They just thought Marmeladov was out getting drunk at the pub. Raskolnikov comes up with him in his arms. Places him on the table. They're all like, what the fuck is happening? This man is dying. He would have died in the streets, and Marmeladov is like, this young man here, Raskolnikov is a hero. Take my youngest girl in marriage. And they look over across the table, and it's Sonia. Oh, my God, they're meeting again for the second time. Star-crossed lovers. And she's giggling. Oh, my gosh, Grandpa, you can't do that to me. Marmeladov dies on the table. Raskolnikov is like, we have to meet again. I'm sorry this happened. But now Raskolnikov feels like his karma is in line a little bit more. He took a life, even though it's saved. And then he saved Marmeladov, had him get to say his final goodbyes. It's going to take us to book three. Picking up the pace now, act two. You're breaking your mother's heart. Dunya and Raskolnikov's mom, they are hearing word about how sick he is. So they take a trip into the big city, have a few dinners. Razumihin comes home drunk one day, and he sees the whole family in the lobby, and he's like, let's go have tea. This is beautiful. I've never had family. Razumihin, he brings the good vibes, and he takes Dunya for a walk. Definitely has taken a liking to him. They've been best friends, and he's always been hitting on Raskolnikov's sister, He tries to drop some city boy knowledge on her while they're on the walk. He's going, we obey society's educational terms here for what? Your brother, he is in debt. People like me, we get screwed over. And he didn't take into account this is Dunya, Raskolnikov, the legal, whatever, bright minds sister. She's got some of the residual placenta intelligence. And she's going, well, on the countryside the girls remain the same as your city girls become scoundrels. She drops some knowledge on him where he trips over his feet. Dunya does some asides saying how Razumihin is a better man than anybody on the countryside that she runs into. Same time, Raskolnikov is talking to his mom back at the apartment and she's going, um, Are you getting my letters? You're a lazy sack of shit. What the hell is going on here? And he's like, you didn't see my paper? I'm trying to turn this into something. She's like, you're not Nietzsche. They're having the classic argument. Razumikin, he comes home. They are still drunk. And he wants to take over the family. Just like Lucin, the industrialist with all the money who already has Dunya's hand. He goes, Raskolnikov has been a lazy piece of shit. And then he wanders down the hall, falls asleep in his room in the morning. They get it for brunch. Everyone is hungover. They're like, what's up with that guy from down the hall? <laughs> they know him from prior times. in. he apologizes in the morning and he's like, Raskolnikov has had hypochondria, a paranoia where he does think himself into sickness. He doesn't know about the crime. He'll let him know eventually. Doesn't let the family know. They all get dressed. They go have a good day. Walk the river. At dinner, the vodka starts flowing again that night, and they start getting into their Italian, oh, we got to eat with passion here. What did I say? What did I say? Look what you did to your mother. What did I say? Showing up late to the dinner is lucian <laughs> So now we got a love triangle at the dinner table, and... Raskolnikov says out loud, Lucin, we don't like each other. We would not make a good stepbrothers. This man, Razumihin, is a better match for Dunya, and we all see it. And Lucin's like, what? I, who is this loser here? Your buddy is now going to marry your sister? Do you understand the mistake that your family is making? Your mother never told you that I was giving her 3 million uh, rubles for Dunya. And he's like, w- What? What? You are straight up buying out my sister like a whore. And so Raskolnikov, flips the table over. I can't believe you've done this. You've been making deals behind my back. He says to his mom, after flipping the mashed potatoes, the mashed beets over. You, you guys were coming into this city to disown me. You didn't care that I was sick. You were just here to tell me that you were going to live with Lucin from now on. Goes silent. It was true and he storms out of the room and Razumihin is like, (laughs) you know what you're doing here. This isn't going to be something that you could reverse. You can't take that back. Lucian, he storms out. He's like, you will never see any of my money again. He leaves the dinner. Razumihin, he's still trying to calm down Raskolnikov, but he walks over to his mom and he goes, it would be better if you just forgot about me. And then he walks out. Razumahin gets him in the elevator and was like this isn't normal I'm going to take care of your sister and your mom I guess I'm the winner here or whatever but why are you doing this and Raskolnikov finally is like I killed Alonia and Lizaveta I'm gonna have to go confess and do my time I guess I'll see you guys in the courtroom and then it'll all make sense but you're breaking your mother's heart here he's like okay I guess I understand and that explains why you've been so skittish lately that kind of ties a bow on Dunya's storyline. Her and uh, Razumihin are tied off. And at that dinner, Sonia knocked on the door and was like, I'm inviting Raskolnikov to Marmeladov's funeral because he saved him. Did you know that your son is a hero? And so the mom was trying to go back to Raskolnikov's side again. But he's like, no, I already know what this is about. You're selling off your kids for millions of rubles. It's over. I'll see you in the courtroom. Fyodor has to add all those details. Could be Comedic Relief wrapping up Chapter 3. The colonel stopped by Raskolnikov's apartment later in the week. So the only way to end a worse week, a visit from his mom that went wrong. The colonel comes to interrogate him and he's going, What you've been doing to my men on the streets late at night is not okay. When you were sick and I came here and you were running your mouth, I know that's inadmissible evidence because you were sick, but I saw your legal papers. And so Raskolnikov is going, if you're going to arrest me, do it right now. I know you have no evidence, some classic criminal scenes. You got nothing on me, copper. Raskolnikov is going, some crimes are for the greater good. Newton and Magellan, they went against religious law of the time. We wouldn't know about gravity If you bowed the knee to the church and Socrates, guy had to eat hemlock, they made him commit suicide because he started a school, thought crime. The colonel is going, there is no excuse for crime. It's black and white. There is no nuance in the world. All offenses transgress a legal boundary. You are no ubermensch. Every man must undergo his punishment. Raskolnikov is like, your legal system is a bunch of made-up words and jargons. I pardon myself, abracadabra. Your mage in the judge costume has no power over me. Raskolnikov is saying, the creator will judge me in the end. Do we both think, you and me, honestly, you know Alonia was a bastard the way she ripped people off, kept people indebted? I think Jesus or Satan or whoever is going to deal with her in the afterlife. I don't think that we are going to really do the punishing here. And the colonel's like, nope, the solitary confinements of concrete walls are the only way you could come to terms living with yourself in society after transgressing the rules of society. So that's a good point. If you're born into civilization, man, then you are always going to be kind of guilty breaking those rules. And he admits to Raskolnikov at the end of the meeting, you know, your words are airtight every time you talk to me. There's nothing that incriminates yourself. However, I've seen this a million times before. Your health is going to continue to deteriorate until you come clean. There's something within the man's psyche where he cannot keep that big of a secret from everyone. Your article, it's an abomination. I didn't like it. (laughs) Another guy trashes him. Book four. I'm in love with the stripper. It is late night. Raskolnikov shows up at Sonia's house and she didn't think he even knew where he lived. Sonia has her own level of paranoia from hooking all the time. She thinks her pimp's coming through to collect his toll. Raskolnikov was vocally unimpressed with her place. Trashed it to her face. Maybe he's doing some negging. He's never hooked up with a sex worker before so he thinks he needs to go over the top. He's a... Going, why do you have all these uh, religious posters everywhere? You act to be such a saint. You think you're the Virgin Mary when you are, in fact, the exact opposite. Everybody's a hypocrite. He's trying to point it out in other people. She's just trying to look good for him while he's doing his own monologue. She's putting perfume on. She puts this white shoal on. I was saying before, the 2000... Or was it 1991 adaptation of Crime and Punishment? The movie takes place in the 1900s. It's a pretty good uh, depiction. Like Raskolnikov in that one is always really sweaty too. And he has this dirty clothes that he wears around. This chick, Sonia, in it is really good looking. She has the Russian supermodel looks. And then you get the babushka bomb when Russian chicks turn 40, scientific fact. They become a haggard like Alonia. Sonia, just trying to pretty herself up. And Raskolnikov, he's still mad, having this secret to himself. He only told one person, his best friend, Razumihin. And he suddenly blows his lid, goes down onto his knees, is kissing Sonia's feet. And he's going, I did not bow down to you. I bowed down to all the suffering of humanity. He confesses to her, "I killed Alonia. I killed Lizaveta. I know these are your family members. Remember, she's connected to all them. Step whatever." So he makes her feel better. He's like, <laughs> "They had to go, you know." And surprisingly, she's not shedding any tears. Sonia's a bad bitch. She said, "How can such shame and such baseness exist in you side by side with other feelings so different and so holy?" You have the devil and the angel on both of your shoulders. How does a man like you exist? One of the really famous quotes from the book is, "You, Why have you done this to yourself? You have made yourself the most unhappy man on the face of the world. <laughs> for Skolnikov, you know, he had everything. He threw it away, dude. He could have just, uh, why'd you kill people? Why'd you have to be Batman? And Sonya, she's going, you have three choices. One, suicide. Two, they put you in the madhouse, or three, a descent into debauchery. Sonia has seen this. Probably some of her clientele are mercs. They take lives for a living, and those people, they don't get as much sleep as they, as they need. So he asks her to read him a story. She talks to him about Lazarus, and this is when uh, Dostoevsky brings in his Classic theme, it's in all of his books, suffering leads to salvation, maybe something he learned himself in prison, through suffering man's sins are purified, gotta do your time in purgatory, maybe that's what this is, whereas Konnikov is like, you're a real one, you have transgressed yourself for me, and I have taken my own life, he's realizing maybe what I did do was wrong. It's going to be the girl that makes him realize, not some bailiff or some prosecuting attorney that's going to make him go, oh shit, I shouldn't have killed two old ladies. It's going to have to be his love interest. So he's not really thinking about Nastasia much anymore. This was such a convincing chat that Raskolnikov went down to the police station but he's not ready. He still wants to rub it into the police's face a little bit more. And he says, "If you have the legal right to prosecute me, arrest me right here." But I will not permit anyone to laugh at me or torment me. So kind of now, the entire department knows that Rizkalinikov is guilty for the murder, because one of those uh, late nights on his walks, when he was delirious, he went back to the crime scene, and he was caught just staring at the door, like a demented person poltergeist and he was like who painted over the floor wasn't this red and they're like how do you know that he gave himself up in ways that were only circumstantial no evidence so Porifoy, with this guard was like my style is a bit odd but i like to let my suspects live within the crime for some time before arresting them Cops playing head games. He really can't arrest him. No probable cause. Or what do you need for murder beyond reasonable doubt? He can't do anything about it. He's just trying to make the guilt fester in Holnikov until he turns himself in. So maybe that's the only way the cops do win. Let's go to book five. We're in act three now. Can't touch us. This part opens up at Lucien's place. It's the quickest chapter. He's untouchable by the police, kind of just covered it. Lucin, though, this will end his storyline. He lost the Dunya. He is wallowing in rejection. He has a long chat with all of his intellectual roommates. This was just a chance for Fyodor to flex his nuts on current events, and he's going extreme distrust for the government is uh, radicalizing young men and influencing dangerous new ideas. It's basically... uh, Dostoevsky calling out Nietzsche. (laughs) I don't think he's in the same... Dostoevsky, you're a playwright. Own what you is. Camus knew what he was, and he even put a positive spin on it. We let you be sad because you're good at it. You have the twists, Dostoevsky. You gotta let Nietzsche be in his own league. He is one of the most purest things to a philosopher we'll probably see within the preceding hundred years. They say this guy had a 270 IQ. Dostoevsky, you weave beautiful stories. Sonia came up in this conversation with all of the intellectuals and the corporate money men. They're going, she's a harlot. This chick is one of the highest class prostitutes in St. Petersburg, but she's nothing more than that. And he's going, a young girl, she could redeem herself through that. You could buy her out of the game. And all the other corpos and their big wigs smoking tobacco pipes are like, what are you talking about? We marry... Christian college girls just some commentary on (laughs) sleutes. this chapter Luzin he took this girl Katarina it's his rebound bitch to a ball and Raskolnikov was there Luzin was making a public statement nothing really there this book ended with another scene at um, Sonia's apartment And, you know, he adds all these details, Dostoevsky, about this kid, like, telling off his mom. But he never adds a sex scene. He can't add one erotic book for us. This guy is just playing with your strings. (laughs) This is when she dropped the line. You have to accept suffering and achieve atonement through it. And that's when she goes, what have you done to yourself? You're unhappier than anyone in the world. So She knows that. <laughs> like she's a chick, she lives in the societal judgment world and she's a prostitute, so she's ruining the sexual dynamic for all the other women, even though she's the true feminist. She's going, you're a man and man, men like to punish each other. so you have to go through their fucking prison system get boned in that beehole in the shower to prove to all the other men that you've done your time and you did a good for society, you will be looked at as not a coward then. Because word's going to get out eventually, and then people are going to go, why didn't this kid just run off to America when he had the time? That would have been more badass. He's being a little weasel right now. The way he's telling off the cops, especially they want to sucker punch him. And so we don't get a sex scene even here. We're going into the last book, and it ends in her apartment again. Maybe it's because Jesus is watching. She had all those religious paintings book six atonement Raskolnikov he stops at his mother's house before he does the final turning himself in if that's how it ends spoiler she lets him know she loves him very much she's sorry for dealing with money over family ties but this is the whole theme from her original letter women are looking for a provider not just some good dick Raskolnikov, he asks before leaving that his mother forgets about him again. He's like, I'm going to be in jail, ma. I got pinched, ma. You know, I got to do some time for the fellas. She's not having it. It will save time. She dies. Raskolnikov goes to prison for this. She winds up dying with him the first year he's in prison. And at his courtroom trial, there is no big courtroom drama in this. She faints, and this gets years Uh, taken off of his sentence just because she's like he's such a good boy nothing he won't survive with all those hardened men in the gulag this is the last time he sees his mother dunya she stopped in the city to say you know thanks for introducing me to your friend he loves me more than anything and they have this final talk she's like it looks like you've started your path to redemption what do you think? Do you think the rumors about this man and the axe murder, he is guilty of the crime? And Raskolnikov, he can't let his, it's a sibling rivalry to the end. He goes, crime? What crime? Killing a foul, noxious louse? An old good-for-nobody lender. She sucked the life out of every poor bastard in St. Petersburg? That act was so violently brave that killing her ought to bring absolution for 40 sins. <laughs> goes over the top with her (laughs) he's like no i would think the guy is a hero still dunya's like whatever simple family values me and razumakin are out in the country we're popping out kids now eating beets it's a good old time maybe we'll see you after prison and luckily sonya is his bottom he's his base his ball and chain in a good way (laughs) she goes out to siberia with him She follows him to the police station at the end. Every time he turns around, she's still behind him. He thinks about running away, and she's like, no, turn yourself in. Famous line, Sonya says to him, stops at her apartment again, no sex scene. I have come for your crosses. It was you who sent me to the crossroads. Rezkolnikov, on that walk to the police station, he bent down in the crossroads in the town, kneeled, kissed the ground, prayed to God. Why have you forsaken me? No! Gotta get real dramatic. This is the end of the play where with one line you have to convey all the emotion he's ever felt. And this, when he turns himself in. I, Rodya Romanovich Rezkolnikov, who killed Dolonya and Lizaveta Ivanova with an X and robbed them, am here to turn myself in. That one line has to convey all of the guilt he felt the entire time coming out. In that moment, Raskolnikov knew in his heart once and for all that Sonia would be with him for always and would follow him to the ends of the earth. Fyodor does have a soft side to him. It's basically the end. He does hard labor in a gulag and he gets a commuted sentence. Doesn't say where he moves, but him and Sonia live happily ever after. That's the best you're going to get in a Dostoevsky book. Usually ends with the hangman. He wrote this book around the time that he was going on to his second wife, so maybe he had sacrifice on the mind, had to build up that Nastasia character at the beginning to just get dunked on in the end. (laughs) It's a timeless classic. It humbles us all, makes uh, sense. It's another good young man read. In Criminal Justice, they taught us that from 16 to 35, as a male, you are in a very high-risk category to be influenced to commit crime. This book maybe not a good influence. Thus Spoke Zarathutra, Beyond Good and Evil, Nietzsche, Maybe Not the Best. Go to church, say some hymnals, say your prayers, crime and punishment, atonement in this episode. Because this upcoming month is February. We're going to be celebrating the month of love. Next month's book, we have an icy hell that is not exactly Russia. We are reading Endurance This is Sir Ernest Shackleton's original trans-arctic journey. He tried to traverse Antarctica, the South Pole, by foot. They had 70 snow dogs. This is in the heroic age, 1915. There's all these black and white pictures we'll have for the video. It's going to be a documentary-style show. We're taking a first look at the Arctic Circle. I'll have Admiral Byrd... That's the guy who's apparently saying there's a giant ice wall and an entire continent past south There's a crazy guy. We're going to read that book too eventually. Maybe we'll do that for the Patreon. Next week, Endurance. Thank you guys again for staying tuned to our second Dostoevsky Crime and Punishment, an absolute classic. It was an honor. Again, we'll have to revisit these in the future when we have some more experience and perspective to comment on the character's It's fun to breathe life into them. I'm looking forward to more fiction to come this year. Punish me, breaking the laws, legalize Jenkum. See you guys next week. I'm Nick Muniz. Peace.